most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. Backs, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast, presented by Prize Picks. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and today is our props episode for week two. I'm here with my guy, Sean Kerner. Sean, you went five for five uh, on your props last week. Just blew me out of the water. So, uh, <laughs> you want to? Do you want to take a victory lap? Yes, I do. Um, and, you know, I went 5-0 and last week, and we've talked about it um, at length this week, how week one, it's a, one of the trickier weeks to project because we're kind of just going off beat reports, um, intuition, things like that. But now we have a week's worth of data, which admittedly isn't a big sample size, but at least it's something. So I feel even better about my projections and picks this week, if you could believe it. So you're going to go like six for five. I know if it's possible. <laughs> yeah, maybe I won't flex these. I'm just going to go straight for the power play. Oh, you got to, man. Live a little. So uh, let's get right into the show. And uh, we're going to do quarterback prop, two running back props, and two receiver tight end props. So, Sean, start us off with your first uh, prop, the quarterback prop. I am going with Jameis Winston over. 230 passing yards. It's kind of weird that this is kind of a week one overreaction line when he threw for five freaking touchdowns. Um, But he only threw for 140 yards because the Packers really just did nothing on offense. Um, So the Saints didn't really have to throw much. Uh, Jameis Winston only had 20 passing attempts last week. So this seems weird to say, but this should be a more competitive game this week against the Panthers. Um, You know, the Saints are minus three and a half. So uh, I think we're going to see Jameis Winston get to throw it around a little bit more. Um, And he does look like a completely different quarterback in this scheme. He's going to be more efficient. Um, So I think he has a higher floor than we're used to seeing in the the Bruce Arians offenses of the world. So um, I I love the over here. I'm projecting this closer to 250, actually. um, And I would take this up to 235 and a half. Yeah. So um, explain to the people real quick why... Okay, you're projecting it at 250, but you would take it to 30, 235 and a half. Because I think some people, uh, they struggle to kind of understand, you know, the mean versus the median. And sometimes they hear us say, okay, I got this projected here, but I'll only take it to here. So explain that for the people out there. Yeah, well, when it, when it comes to quarterback props, you know, passing yards, you know, if you're showing about 20 yards of discrepancy between your projection and the prop, that's probably worth the same amount as, say, you know, five rushing yards or five receiving yards. Um, so, you know, we, we have a high, higher range of outcomes when it comes to passing yards. But when it when it comes to my projected median, so that's I've done a lot of testing when it comes to projecting players. So typically my projections that you see um, on fancy labs or just, you know, fancy football, those are my mean projections. So that's sort of the average if they were to play. Uh, this game a thousand times, let's say, um, but the median is typically lower and we don't have enough time to kind of go on why that is, but um, <laughs> I'm usually adjusting for that. And I'm trying to find 
how much I would take it up to where I think I'll still have about a 58% chance of hitting. So that's the long story short, why I'm kind of choosing these numbers that I am saying I will pick it up to or down to. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think um, it's just, I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Cause I know people probably wondering like, why would you take it like 15 yards below? But yeah, uh, I agree. I think, you know, Winston's in a good spot. I, I know the saints are having some issues. So, you know, with the coaching staff and COVID and mm-hmm. how crazy is it that Michael Thomas lands on the COVID list? I mean, this is, this is shaping up as such a disaster season for Michael Thomas, but such a great season for the saints because they're just so well coached. So it's, it's very interesting uh, but yeah, I think that was a fluky game script in week yeah. one. I, I would expect James to be more to, to be a lot closer to the league average most weeks, or at least closer to that, you know, 200, what was it? 247. I think that Breeze averaged last year. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Somewhere yeah. other, I think is his baseline. Right. Uh, all right. For my first prop, the quarterback prop I'm going with is uh, one we talked about, I think uh, earlier in the week, but Matt Jones under 250 and a half passing yards. Uh, I have this closer to 230. Um, and the reason being, I know he threw for 279 last week, but you have to look at the game scripts with these things. And New England spent only two minutes and 30 seconds of that entire game against Miami with the lead. So Mac Jones, 38 of his 39 pass attempts came while trailing. Uh, you know, it was just one of those situations where, the Patriots never really got a handle on the game due to some, you know, some fumbling issues. They couldn't quite get out in front. And I don't think that's necessarily going to be an issue uh, against the New York Jets. We've seen this line move from about three and a half to six in favor of the Patriots. Uh, the Jets, of course, had some key players go down, namely Makai Becton, uh, their offense, the left tackle. So uh, I think the Patriots are going to play from a, a leading game script uh, in this spot. And you're going to see a lot Fewer pass attempts, especially going on a road divisional game, usually tight, low scoring type of affairs. Uh, they're at, divisional unders in week two, especially, usually hit almost 60%. So uh, I think this is going to be a, a run heavy game script for New England. Uh, and I'm projecting Mac Jones closer to, to 230 yards than the 250. So I'd take it to about 235 as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you with Mac Jones being, you know, in the low 230s. And I think when we talked about this prop on um, Tuesday, it was about seven yards higher. Attempt what? higher, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's starting to go down, but not not enough. Um, yeah, got to get closer to 240, I think. Um, so it's still, there's still some value here. Yep. All right, let's, uh, let's go to running backs. Who is your first running back prop for week number two? My first running back prop is Melvin Gordon over. 45 and a half rushing yards against the lowly Jaguars. And I realize everyone, including me, wants to see rookie Javante Williams take over this backfield. But as you mentioned, right before the season started, um, not so fast. This is still Melvin Gordon's backfield. And he actually looked really good in week one. Um, he was actually the fastest ball carrier, according to Next Gen Stats, in week one. Um, was, it that, was it that that long run? Yeah, so the 70-yard touchdown run, he reached 21.5 miles per hour. So he still got it. Yeah, I, I, I could like, I could have, I wouldn't have guessed he would have been the fastest, but I would have guessed he would have no. been in the conversation because yeah. after seeing that run, it was like he got past the first wave, and then I forget who somebody had an angle on him. I don't know if it was Bradbury. I forget who the Giants defender was, but I just remember going, "Wow!" Like he straight outran the dude. <laughs> And like, you don't think of Melvin Gordon as that, that type of runner, especially at this stage in his career. He's what, like 28 years old now. 
Um, but yeah, he, he was getting a little bit younger. He seems like 28, huh? Uh, but he's, his he's, body is probably 38. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you know, this is the time of year they can lean on him, especially against the Jaguars. I think this is, this is the time to kind of lean on him. And I wouldn't be surprised by the way, he is 28. Oh, he is 28. Okay. Sorry. Good call. Good call. <laughs> um, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if Javante Williams has a much bigger role. Um, as the season goes on, but right now this is Melvin Gordon's backfield. So this is the type of matchup that they're going to lean on him. So I'm projecting this closer to 57 and a half, um, which is a pretty big Delta when it comes to rushing yards. So um, I would take this up to 49 and a half, uh, but I just love the upside in this because of the, the game script should be run heavy. Um, you know, they just lost Jerry Judy, unfortunately. So just all signs point to Gordon going over here. Yeah. And I mean, regarding Javante Williams, uh, we just got to be happy. He's active. <laughs> like after after the shenanigans that went on in week one, I mean, very disappointing sermon. Uh, you know, you you said Michael Carter probably is eventually going to get that job, so I, you know at least he's active. But you know, disappointing start I think to the season for um, for just the usage for some of these rookies, yeah. uh, rookie running backs. And speaking of disappointing usage, uh, my first running back prop is going to be related to that uh, for Zach Moss because he was another healthy scratch. So Devin Singletary. We'll see if Moss is a scratch this week, but either way, I think Singletary uh, has kind of earned that lead back role. So I'm going over 47 and a half rushing yards for Singletary, 73% of the backfield carries in week one, but they only had 15 backfield carries. Now Miami allowed double that to new England, 29 carries, 119 yards. Uh, I don't expect Buffalo to go crazy running the ball, but remember they played Pittsburgh. It's really tough to run against Pittsburgh. It's not quite Tampa Bay tough, but it's been pretty tough over the last few years uh, to run on that Pittsburgh front. So uh, I think, you know, it was, it was encouraging that Singletary was still able to, you know, play well in that, in that tough matchup. I think he got, what was it? 72 yards. Uh, so yeah. I like, yeah, I like anytime you have, cause percentage of carries and things like that. That's a, since, since like a coach is deciding it, you know, it's kind of human decide. It's not as prone to like variance and, and it's a little easier to project. So I, I always look for these situations where guys are getting a high percentage of snaps, high percentage of carries. And uh, I love this prop Devin Singletary over uh, 47 and a half against a, a Miami defense that can definitely be, be run on. Yeah. When we were trying to see, you know, like who we were going to pick for this pod, I left the Singletary prop for you. Cause I know you were oh, doing his horn early in the week, but I love this over as well. And I, I'm projecting Zach Moss to be active. Yeah. And I still have Singletary for like more than 10 yards over this. I, I think one of the things with Singletary, he's never going to see a stack box or very rarely. Mm-hmm. And last week, according to next gen sets, he saw zero stack boxes. So he's going to have plenty of room to run whenever they want to run. And the only reason they took him out of the game briefly last week um, was because he was dealing with like a shoulder injury or something. So they intended him for him to be a true workhorse. That's kind of why I think they had Zach Moss inactive. So I wouldn't be surprised if, Zach Moss is inactive again, and Singletary just like crushes this prop. So I'm with you on the over as well. Yeah, we've seen that in the past. Uh, you know, that year with Frank Gore, the first half of the year, they kind of broke Singletary in. But that second half of the year, Gore would get like one, two touches, and Singletary would get like 17, 18. Uh, and then we saw that again in the playoffs. Uh, Singletary was just getting a, a huge workload. So, yeah, hopefully it continues. But there's a little, you know, like you said, a little bit of wiggle room because he should be relatively efficient uh, with the light boxes. All right, where are you going for running back prop? Number two. Well, I, I have to take Derrick Henry over 84 and a half <laughs> rushing yards. I feel like this is a treat. Um, this is a week one overreaction kind of line. 
Um, I expect the whole entire Tennessee offense to bounce back after that dreadful week one performance. Um, the real reason I like this is because Derek Henry is really good at football. He went over this number 11 of 16 games last year. That's a 68% clip. Um, I have no reason why, you know, he'd be uh, in such a steep decline this year. We can't expect that going forward here. So I'm projecting this closer to 95 and a half. Your typical Derek Henry Massive, massive rushing yard projection. Um, so I would take this um, up to about 88 and a half. Yeah, I think I have him even. What do I have him at? Yeah, I have him at, I still have him at a, a 102. So, like, and that's my, the mean. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's I think yeah. you have him about, yeah, about six yards higher than you have him, but, um, or 101 and a half. I have, but yeah, uh, I agree. I think, and listen, the Seattle run defense is no joke, but, more so, it's just the volume with Derrick Henry. The yards after contact, you don't expect them. You know, he still got 17 carries last week in uh, a pretty bad game script. So, you know, it's not like like Jonathan Taylor last week. I was worried because you have more, you have like Naeem Hines, and they said they want to get him more involved. So it's, you know, with Derrick Henry, if he comes out at all, it's going to be in the pass game, you know? So the rushing prop, I would be less worried about with Henry than with a guy like Taylor. Um, who, who we went under with last week. So, yeah, uh, I'm with you there. Uh, for my second running back prop, going Daryl Henderson over 57 and a half uh, rushing yards. I have this closer to 62, so about an attempt of, of an edge here uh, in terms of the median. He had 16 of 17 backfield carries, or 94%. Sony Michelle jogged in for one carry with like five minutes left in the game. And he didn't even get the series. Like usually the backup running back, he gets like a drive, a series, you know, usually it's, you know, gets like the first of the second quarter, maybe the first of the fourth quarter, you know, even in, in like when you have a workhorse, uh, but no, Sony Michelle literally got that one carry jogged back out, you know, barely played many snaps. Uh, Henderson was the guy and Indianapolis, in a low volume play game for Seattle, I think Seattle ran only 53 plays. Uh, Seattle's back still tallied 104 yards on the ground. So nearly double uh, this prop. So yeah, I like, uh, I like Henderson over 57 uh, and a half and uh, I'd take it to 60. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you here. And um, we talked about it on Tuesday's pod, but Sonny Michelle just came in briefly in garbage time and then they put Henderson back in there. But one yeah. of the things, you know, one of my pet peeves is people that just say, oh, preseason doesn't matter, this and that. Like, of course, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but um, you, you can gain a lot of information based on preseason. And the Rams bubble wrap Daryl Henderson. He didn't play a single snap. So we knew that they were going to treat him like the workhorse back heading into the season. And Lo and behold, we saw that week one. So uh, I think I don't think the market has quite realized that yet. But, you know, a game like this, I, I think we could see him approach 20 carries. So, yeah, I'm with you on the over here. My favorite prop of week one actually was not it had nothing to do. It had something to do with Henderson. But uh, books had Sony Michelle at un, uh, over under five and a half receiving yards. And I bang that under. That's... Um, and so I'm hoping they like drop it to like four and a half and I'll still go under this week. <laughs> For Sony Michelle? Yeah. Yeah, anything above a half is probably a fair game. Yeah, he's like he's more likely than not not to catch a pass. Right. For now. I mean, towards the end of the season, who knows? Because he, he was a decent pass catching back at Georgia. Um, the Patriots isn't using that way, but it's clear that he's just a sort of an emergency change of pace back right now. 
So we, we probably won't see much of him for the first few games anyways. And when the Patriots use you a certain way, I mean, I still take notice of it because it's like, you know, the Patriots saw him every day in practice and they decided that they were going to give him like 15 carries and no catches every week. So, right. I mean, that, that matters for something because then we, we kind of, now the Rams aren't giving him work at all, but he only ran one route, I, I believe it was. So, yeah, but that, we're off topic. Let's, let's go to your uh, first receiving prop. I am going Henry Ruggs under 43 and a half receiving yards. You know, by now we, we sort of know the type of player Ruggs is. Uh, he's a low volume home Not runner. a good one. What? Not a good Not one. A good one. I wouldn't say that. Not, we're, we're, no. I'm, I'm out on Henry Ruggs. If, when, well, when, 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 when every receiver on the Raiders except Willie Sneed is better than you, I'm out. Uh, well, I, I think Derek Carr only has eyes for Darren Waller, but that's for another time. Um, but, you know, in 14 games, he has yet to see more than five targets. This is Ruggs. And, you know, he's only cleared this number five of 14 games. When he does go over this number, he goes over by a mile. Um, so, you know, he's rarely close to his prop. <laughs> so I, I have his median, median closer to 34 and a half. He, he just, he has a very low floor every week. Um, and I, I would take this down to about 39 and a half. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I, I expected Ruggs to have a breakout this year, but I mean, the more I watch him, and the more I hear announcers talk about him, because, you know, they get the access to the coaches. It's just like, oh, he's putting a lot of pressure on himself. Oh, he got he had to get more physical. But it's like this dude just doesn't get open. Like all this speed, and he just doesn't get open. Like he's never open. Like I don't think right. it's Derek Carr not having eyes for him. I think Derek Carr throws the open guy. Derek Carr doesn't like to hold the ball. Darren Waller gets open. Brian Edwards got open. Even and when Brian, At least when Brian Edwards is covered – He's bigger guy. Yeah, he's hard. He's like a Crabtree, you know, like Crabtree. Well, you, you'll you'll agree that Ruggs will have a few monster games this year, correct? Uh, is there is is uh, Greg Williams still employed by NFL defense? No, so probably not. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, wasn't that Ruggs' only big game? Either and way, the one against the Chiefs, I think, right? Well, I'm betting the under here, so I'm not trying yeah. to vouch for him. But either yeah, way, like, it probably won't happen against the Steelers, is what my angle is. This here. is going John Ross fast. Oh yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah. This is this is going that direction. Yeah, because that's the thing. Ruggs hasn't even. I mean, I know he he missed a few games last year, but like, yeah, like he he starts missing games with injuries. I mean, it it can it feels like it can only go downhill. Maybe it's an overreaction, but I I, you know I I can't give this guy any more chances. The the John Ross uh, comparison is probably spot on. Unfortunately, yeah, like Ruggs in like two years will be like the Giants' sixth receiver. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> behind CJ board. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Another worrisome sign um, for my first receiving prop. Some, something that you know, uh, I think a lot of us were were high on coming in the year. That was, I mean, I don't really know what to make of it, but Robert Woods uh, did not operate as the every down player that we've been accustomed to. He ran around only two thirds of the dropbacks uh, behind not only Cooper cup, who was out there every snap, but also Van Jefferson. So I don't know if this was kind of a one week deal, what was going on there, but I'm going under Robert Woods, 63 and a half receiving yards, because I mean, even if Robert Woods was a full-time player, this would be kind of his median, but we don't know if he is. So, you know, three catches, 27 yards last week on four targets. Now you're playing a pretty decent coach defense. You know, I know Tyler Lockett got some big plays, but 
They were able to corral DK Metcalf for most of the game. He Lockett only got five catches. Metcalf got four. Like, I just don't know what to make of, of Woods. Maybe, you know, we know Jared Goff was a more underneath thrower. That helped Woods. And, uh, and and Cooper Cup, he makes best friends with every quarterback. So maybe he kind of won Stafford over. And then you have Van Jefferson on this year two breakout track. So, I, you know, until we see Robert Woods become a full-time guy again, I think you have to slam this, this under uh, 63 and a half. Yeah, I think um, for now, anyway, Robert Woods has a much lower floor than we're used to seeing, but I can't, I can't bring myself there. I, I think I need to see one more game to figure out what the hell is going on here because um, the, the routes run rate was very bizarre. Um, and like you said, Cooper Cup, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he has a 10 plus catch game here. So um, I, I'm with you on the Woods prop in terms of projection, but I just can't um, bet against him quite yet. I think we need to see one more game, but it's very concerning after we I mean, with sure. 63, five, that's, that would be like a iffy prop, even if he was like a 90% guy I, against the Colts. Like, yeah, Colts no, I agree. Team that's just going to give up. Like the just going to get like bleed receiving production. Yeah, no, I agree. I like, I, I'm projecting him at 58. So his median is probably closer to 53, but I just don't, he's one of those players this week. I don't feel comfortable projecting at all. Um, and he's, <laughs> like I said, he's typically a high floor player. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my only reason why I'm staying away from it, but I am absolutely in line with you in terms of like process and projecting. It's just, I kind of need to see one more week of data before we can write him off quite yet. Not that you're writing him off. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, I just don't, I'm just kind of taking advantage of the fact that I don't feel like his prop was adjusted enough, given the fact yeah. that his routes went down by like 25%. Totally. And maybe they'll <laughs> get him involved in the running game. Right. Yeah. And they, and they always do, but yes, yeah, exactly. I, I think I'd rather do it now while we, while he's still in this. Cause I mean, maybe, you know, maybe we, it, it comes out. A lot of times what happens with these guys is like, it comes out later after the year that like, Oh, they were dealing with some kind of unknown injury. Um, but like, yeah, if, like route, the mo- biggest best predictor of routes run in the current week is routes run in the last week. So, yep, um, I yep. agree. <laughs> and this is, I mean, player props are a market you're, you know, you're selling high on him and who knows, you know, two weeks from now, his average prop might be like 50 and a half yards and we'll pass on that. But right now, yeah, I think if, if you have an angle like that, go for it. All right. Where are you going with your second? Well, I'm, so I'm saving the best for last year and I'm going Tyler Higby to smash over 40 and a half receiving yards. Like this is my favorite prop right now on the board. Um, and he had a solid week one, you know, going five catches for 68 yards, no touchdowns, um, you know, okay. But you know, his underlying usage is just insane. He played every single snap. He ran route 93% of the time, which we know that's elite for tight ends. Sounds like Robert Woods used to be. That, you know, yeah. But, I mean, for <laughs> he tight took ends, the Robert Woods role. Yeah, for tight ends, that's like Travis yeah, Kelsey. That's Logan like Logan Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> yeah, but better. Um, and, you <laughs> yes. know, a 24% target share. So when, when it comes to this Rams offense, Matt Stafford's going to elevate it to levels we saw in, you know, 2018, 2019. Um, where Tyler Higby went off at the end of the season. So I'm expecting that kind of breakout starting now. So now's the time to buy low on Tyler Higby wherever and whenever you can. Um, I'm projecting this, uh, you know, way over, probably closer to 55 yards. Um, and I would take it up to about 47 and a half. Yeah. I, I feel like we have, so we have three Rams uh, on the, you know, in our props and yeah, I have it. I have it. 
about three yards lower than you at, at 52, but I'm, I'm right in line with, you know, Higby, well, you know, average projection clearing 50 yards easily. So um, I like that one. I mean, you can't go wrong kind of targeting tight ends who run a lot of routes um, because that's just, it's going to be the most predictive thing that you can get, you know, the targets, sometimes yeah. they'll be there. Sometimes they won't, but if you're getting a guy that's on the field, every snap, because remember, you know, tight ends are going to block here and there too. So like the more snaps you're on the field, the higher the ceiling is, the higher the floor is. So yeah. And I, I think like just with, with players like, well, Matthew Stafford, of course, is going to elevate the offense, but having guys like Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson, potentially Tutu Atwell going deep. And then you have, you know, Woods and Cup maybe closer to the line of scrimmage. And you have Higby just has the entire middle of the field to himself. He has room to run. Just everything I saw about week one screams elite tight end one the rest of the way. Um, so I want to buy in on him as much as I can early on. Yep. Uh, yeah. Like this is a big, like if he goes off this week, I mean, he's probably a top five tight end going forward yes. uh, because, you know, last week, I know the, the Bears like to, you know, they, they play that same scheme the Rams do a lot of the time, you know, that kind of too deep shell. Uh, the Colts, I think, a little more balanced. So we'll see um, if he can if he can kind of get get openings this week um, and, and kind of pay off on all those routes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to fade him uh, at any point this year. Uh, for my last re- receiving prop, I'm going with Danny Amendola, under 29 and a half receiving yards. And... Uh, this one for me is just, I mean, regression because Amendola ran around on just 43% of the dropbacks last week. Uh, that could go down even more because remember Anthony Miller was inactive last week, but uh, we'll see what happens, you know, this week so that the slot uh, receiver duties could be kind of split up even more. But Amendola only had a 3.8 A dot. So his average depth of target was under four yards. He had five targets and he caught all five and just barely went over this prop at, at 34 yards last week. So he had to catch hundred percent of his targets uh, just to get like five yards over this. Uh, I don't think you're going to see that uh, this week against Cleveland. I just, Danny Amendola is, is a, is an older guy. He's, you know, there's not enough routes here. So I haven't projected closer to 20 yards um, just because the A dot is so low. And you can't expect him to always uh, see that high of a target share or, and you, his, you can see his routes going down. So Amendola under uh, 29 and a half. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I'm projecting this closer to 18 oh, yards because yeah. it sounds like, it sounds like Anthony Miller, Anthony Miller is returning this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you factor that in, I don't see how Amendola is going to be able to see enough targets um, to go over this. And Amendola is the type of player that he can get like three catches and still go under um, so a low a dot player like that, especially when Tyrod Taylor is just chucking it deep, <laughs> like he, like he did last week, uh, Amendola is in a tough spot. I, I'm with you on the under here as well. Next up here on the fantasy flex is our elite entry segment. Sean and I dive in the prize fix app and compare our player projectors to the props, uh, that we like and build some entries with prize picks. And, uh, we're going to go with our best bets here. So Sean, What's your number one best bet for uh, prize pick prop for week two? So my number one best bet this week is Tyler Higby to go over 40 and a half receiving yards. Um, I am buying low on Tyler Higby. I think he's going to erupt um, the rest of the season, but starting this week, um, you know, he played every single snap last week. So Gerald Everett is no longer concerned because he's gone. He has no competition. He saw a 24% target share. And Matthew Stafford is going to take this offense 
to the stratosphere. So Tyler Higby's, Tyler Higby is going to benefit from that. Um, I'm projecting this way over closer to 55 and a half yards. Um, and I would take this up to about 47 and a half. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Tyler Higby, great spot, running all the routes, playing all the snaps. For my best bet of week number two, I am going with Danny Amendola under 29 and a half receiving yards at prize picks. And uh, you mentioned it. You haven't projected at 18 yards. I haven't projected at 20. Uh, I would take this down to about 24 and a half. It's just a spot where Amendola is getting under four yards uh, per average depth of target uh, per target. And he might be knocked down another ring on the totem pole at wide receiver if Anthony Miller returns. So we might see Amendola barely play this week. And even if he catches four or five balls with a 3.8 A dot, you still have a chance to go under 29 and a half. So I love this number. Uh, love the prop for Amendola. So that's where I'm going with my best bet. How about you? Number two. So my number two best bet this week is Melvin Gordon to go over 45 and a half rushing yards against the worst team in football right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and th- this is Melvin Gordon's backfield right now. It's not rookie Javante Williams backfield. It won't be for another few games, at least Melvin Gordon showed that he still has it in week one. He was actually the fastest ball carrier on his seven yard touchdown. He reached 21.5 miles per hour. That was the fastest ball carrier of the week. So I think they're going to lean on him heavily here. Uh, they, they should beat the Jaguars pretty easily. Um, and without Jerry Judy, I think they can lean on the run game a bit more. So I love Gordon to go over this. I'm projecting it closer to 57 and a half yards. So plenty of room here. And I, w- I would take this up to about 49 and a half rushing yards. Yeah. And given the team they're playing, given the way, you know, Vic Fangio kind of likes to operate, uh, the Broncos could run the ball 30, 35 times. So Melvin Gordy could easily get to 20 carries in this game, even with Javante Williams mixing in for double digit touches himself. So I uh, like the Gordon over thought he looked really good in week number one uh, for my number two, best bet of week. Number two, I'm going Robert Woods under 63 and a half receiving yards. Again, I just think you have to attack the, this prop before the market adjusts because Robert Woods, you, although he caught a touchdown only 27 yards on three catches and played only 67% of the passing drop back. So that is a very concerning number considering that we didn't hear about an injury and Van Jefferson, who a lot of people, including myself expected to be behind Deshaun Jackson, much less woods uh, actually played over 85%. So Van Jefferson was the true number two receiver in the week. Number one, I don't know if that's going to change or not, but even if this was a normal woods snap count, 63 and a half is not an easy number to clear against the Colts. You know, they held DK Metcalf under that, for example, last week. Tyler Lockett had the big plays, but uh, it's not a given that, you know, Robert Woods would get this number even playing 90% of the snaps. So the fact that he played only 67% last week uh, in terms of the past game, I love this under uh, 63 and a half. I have it projected about uh, 12 yards lower. So I would take it to the, uh, to, to about 52 and a half. So I uh, love Robert Woods under 63 and a half receiving yards on prize picks. All right. So that was our props episode for week number two. Uh, remember the lines do move on prize picks. So do get your entries in as soon as possible uh, and be sure to get the best of the number. Uh, you can find Sean on Twitter at 
the underscore odds maker. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon, and you can find us at those same handles in the award-winning Action Network app. Be sure to check out our projections and rankings on Action Network and our DFS models on fantasylabs.com. Until next time, let's get this money.